0: Life good. Never on. Whoa! Hard, hardly. Yes. Come on, Brent. Life good.
1: Got real close. Hair high, right? Try and hit two thirds. Have they no. saved oh. it for her? It. Yes,
0: they have. Ooh. Welcome to Game of Stones, everybody. I am Sean Graham. Scott, alongside as always. Hello, Scott.
1: Sean, it's the thick of curling season. We're deep in it, and we're deep in a bunch of snow. Got a big dump last night.
0: Uh, Were you able to leave your house today? Because I didn't. (laughs) Uh, Yes, I was able to leave my house today. It was still snowing and dark when I left my house today. But Scott, uh, the office where I'm currently working typically has 25 to 30 people, roughly, on a given day. Uh, Today, there was three of us. And uh, there was only three of us because two of them had a guest coming in who had confirmed that he was still going to come in. So it was very quiet around the office parts today. So it was productive in ways that it wouldn't otherwise be productive. So that was nice.
1: That's good. That's good, Sean. Um, Yeah, it's uh, I I did go put the recycling out and uh, it got buried uh, yeah, later in the afternoon. So I had to go you know, and take it back up. And anyway, uh, so we're buried in snow, but we're buried in curling too, Sean. There's so many events going on right now. I'm trying to follow them all. It's very difficult, but uh, a lot of stuff on on YouTube online. Uh, I think we'll get uh, some some provincial stuff on TV this weekend. Mm-hmm. So very exciting. But that said, we're not here to talk about any of it.
0: Uh, No, we're not going to talk too much about the stuff that's ongoing. By Monday, the Scotties field will be determined, at least in terms of the provincial and territorial championships. So Newfoundland, Labrador, PEI, Nova Scotia, Ontario, Northern Ontario, Manitoba, Saskatchewan are all going on right now. I haven't seen any real storylines out of the women's events anywhere. Scott, we talked before, Allie Flaxey beat Rachel Holman. It's a really good win for her. Chelsea Carey is struggling so far out in Manitoba. Otherwise, nothing really has emerged out of the women's events that are ongoing. On the men's side, there's a little more of a gap because, of course, the briar is later, but Ontario is ongoing right now, as is Northern Ontario, PEI. Newfoundland and Labrador on the men's side. The only thing I've really seen so far of note is that Glenn Howard and Mike Fournier played a game in which I'm guessing they decided not to hit until skipped rocks based on what the final score was, but otherwise.
1: (laughs) Yeah, Sean, I watched that game last night. It was uh, a, it was a real tough one for team Fournier. They were in control and just, I, there was a shot where Mike called a draw around, a center guard, and I was like, I think that's what Glenn wants you to be playing. Yeah, I would just go, or I would just go and peel. And anyway, they ended up giving up uh two two bagger that end, and right. couldn't uh, couldn't quite finish the deal on it. But uh, it was fun to watch for sure. And uh, the stream is really really good uh, that they've got the Ontario curling. It's on YouTube as well as uh, on a website. So uh, check it out if you can.
0: Yeah, and Mary Chivers doing some commentary there for the Ontario Championship. Mm-hmm. Girl number 2. So that's always fun for Mary to be part of that. And on the Saskatchewan streams there is a Mary Chivers sound alike, mm-hmm. which is kind of fun as well.
1: That that's true, yeah, yeah. So it's uh there there's great streams all around. We always talk about the Saskatchewan one being great and yeah. uh and so Yeah, this is going to be a busy, fun weekend.
0: Yeah, I haven't seen Northern Ontario yet to see if they've upgraded from a BlackBerry circa 2006, leaned up against a book uh, in in terms of their coverage. Hopefully they have for Northern Ontario. But Saskatchewan for years and years has been the standard bearer in terms of quality streams that are available. And uh, yeah, Ontario's is very good as well. Manitoba usually does a very good job, so... If you're interested, you can check most of it out online for free. Well, if you're in Canada, I don't know if it's geo-blocked, any of these things outside Canada, I'd be surprised if any of it was. So you can certainly check out all of the regional associations for links to the live stuff. In terms of not live stuff, a couple things we do want to talk about from the, win- from the weekend. Andrea Kelly booked her spot back to the Scotties out of New Brunswick. The defending bronze medalist will make another appearance there with the new lineup from last year. So that is a stronger team, at least on paper, than it was last year. So that makes for a really good Eastern Canadian contingent there. And Alberta, a bit of a surprise, perhaps, as Kayla Skrillek makes an absolute pistol of a shot on her last one making a double and making first contact with a rock that was fully buried behind a center card mm-hmm. and makes a double and pulls i don't know Scott off the top of my head best broom throw since Pat Simmons for the celebration it was a really fun celebration for team Scrilic they're going into their first scotties out of a power province so that'll be a lot of fun to see them. They beat Casey Scheidegger. Casey Scheidegger in that final. I haven't looked at the points and obviously we have to see what happens elsewhere to see if Scheidegger can get one of those three wild card spots. It'll be dependent on what happens uh, elsewhere across the country, but a tough way to lose for them, but a great way to win for Kayla Skrillek.
1: Oh yeah, Sean, you, you came over on Sunday for, uh, for reasons we won't talk about here. Um, But the the game had just finished when you when you got there and at halftime of the event that we were watching, (laughs) I, I I said to you, okay, I set up the the YouTube and I said, here's the the situation. What do you think she's going to call? And you were like, I don't know, like a light tap back, uh, maybe a run back,
0: maybe a draw. I thought you could draw the side of the button potentially.
1: Yeah. And all that was to tie. Yeah, and sh- and then she goes, oh, I'll just play like control weight and make this hit, and I was like, what hit? There's no <laughs> hit with control weight, like no way. And uh, yeah, uh, go and look at it on on YouTube if you if you can. The the Alberta c- curlings, the whole provincials were on uh, on YouTube. It was really good. So yeah, and then and then halfway down, I was like, this is really close. I think she might do it, and and like you say, she made the double to win, not not just for one to tie and go to an extra. And uh, you're right, epic broom broom throw, uh, very warranted. You know, like uh, you see some of these teams now, they th- throw up their broom when they make a easy draw. Yeah, you know, okay, oh, I had to draw the eight foot, and then you toss your <laughs> broom like yay. Well, this one, yeah, deserved. Every bit of height that they got on those brooms. Yeah. Uh, well done. That's going to be in contention for shot of the year at next year's, uh, what do we call them? Stony Awards. Stony
0: Awards. Yeah. yeah early contender for shot of the year for the 2023 Stonies. For yeah, sure. That down. Yeah. The, uh, just an absolutely wonderful shot. And I mean, if you look at it in terms of the analytics side of it, if you think you're going to make that shot one or two times out of 10, It's worth trying than Mm -hmm. being tied to trying a difficult shot that maybe you make seven out of 10 times and then having to go to an extra just Mm -hmm. percentage wise. It's a a better play. And then the guts of how they swept it. It did not miss the guard by much, but they were calling it to sweep to, to curl pretty much the whole way. It was a very gutsy line call, a very aggressive line taken, and they are full fair to have made that shot and to go in. And honestly, if that's how they're going to play at the Scotties, put them on TV. Let's Heck let's yeah. just watch them. That'll be great.
1: For sure. They they went undefeated through the field there in Alberta. So yeah, why can't they do it again? Yeah, why
0: not, eh? Why not, eh? Yeah. So uh, congratulations to them on their first Scotties appearance. Scott. Sean. Well, this is all related to Curling Canada and the action on the ice. Curling Canada has made some news this week off of the ice, some of which may be good for some people, some of which I don't think will be popular with a lot of people. So let's talk about some of this and let's start with an article that Devin Haru wrote for CBC News. He talked with Catherine Henderson, the CEO of Curling Canada, about the way in which they are looking at the high-performance program. Essentially, Catherine Henderson said that everything is on the table in reassessing the high-performance program. They have talked with players. They have talked with former players. They have talked with the provincial associations, the stakeholders in the system. They are going to bring in a new director of the high-performance program. Uh, Gary Peckham is still there but he announced a year ago that he is going to retire and he is overseeing in part some of this transfer to this i've said this before but just the the i don't know if it's it's not probably not the hardest job in the country but it's the least upside job in the country i think in terms of public perception of how well you're doing because if it goes well, players get the credit. If it goes poorly, you get the blame. And it's it'll be interesting to see who takes that on. But in terms of anything is on the table, we've talked about this a few times. Obviously, residency rules, I'd be very surprised if that doesn't get changed. The timing of the trials, certainly that seems a given based off mm-hmm. of some of the quotes in that article. And whether or not the world championship rep comes out of the Scotties or the Briar. I don't know if that's fully on the table uh, as it's based on the interview and what Catherine Henderson is quoted as saying, seems a lot more focused on the Olympics necessarily than world championships, but obviously it all works together as the high performance program. So, Scott, what is your expectation of this review of the high performance program and how important is it? for the high-performance program to produce medals. So in
1: a country like Canada, where we're spoiled for curling medals, be it at the Olympics or at the World Championships, it's, it's easy to look at uh, the results of the last four years and say, that's not good enough. But that said, uh, as we discussed on our podcast a month or two ago, that the the narrative of can- the world's catching up to Canada is not new. So if Curling Canada hasn't already been doing everything they can to uh, put the athletes in the best position to win medals at the Olympics and at the Worlds, then I think that's negligence on their part. And... They should be doing something different. Um, Like, like you said, it's 20 years ago that Bob Weeks talked about uh, the world catching up. And, you know, if that's not a cue to the higher uh, higher ups to look at how things are being done, then, yeah, that's 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 not good. That said, Curling Canada as an organization uh, has. Revenue from all curlers in Canada, not just the high-performance curlers. Uh, And I believe that they have a duty to support the game at the grassroots to help curling centers uh, bring new people into the sport because without new blood, uh, the the sport is at risk of dying, and then you're not going to win any medals if you don't have don't have the curling base, right? And some people might say, oh, that's uh, that's crazy to think that Canada won't have a, a strong base of curling. Well, go to the Scotties and the Briar and tell me who you see in the stands, right? It's not, you know, uh, people at, from universities coming in uh, to watch the games. So it, it is something that has to be thought about. Um, and that's where I think it all starts. Right. I don't think that you can put the entire focus of your organization on winning medals at the world championships, because you see a country like Sweden that does that, but also they don't have like the pipeline of curlers. Right. So in, I don't know, 10 years, 20 years, maybe there will be one more new upstart team probably will be, but they're not going to have that, that breadth to draw from for, if, for whatever reason, those teams don't work out.
0: Yeah. So the thing that I am concerned about is very similar to you, that yes, the high performance program, any high performance program in any sport that operates on an Olympic cycle does need to be reevaluated probably in, in the four-year cycle. So once your sport is done at the Olympics, you go into a review and you see what worked, what didn't work in that cycle. How can you improve the next time? How can you put your athletes into the best possible situation, not only for the Olympics, but leading in to the Olympics? And certainly curling, you have to think about world championships because that ha- that is how you get to the Olympics. And it's the national Body that gets the birth as opposed to necessarily individuals. And I'm not sure how it works in, say, skiing, for instance, if individuals qualify for spots or if countries get them based on that. Like, I I just don't know. But really, any Olympic sport, you do have to think about the high performance end and how are you doing that. The concern I have is having talked to people who are at the symposium on diversity and inclusion in the sport, the lack of Action on some of those items Hmm. that some of the response or or that we've seen, or what some people are are saying, is that Curling Canada has not moved forward with certainly the same level of urgency on those issues and those questions as they have with the high performance program. And I would argue, as I think you've said, that that is just as important for the future of the sport. That what came up there. Those issues are important. And mm-hmm. we've seen in the past curling Canada and then the provincial associations as well say, well, curling clubs are independent businesses and they operate on their own, which, yes, that is true. But as the national governing bodies for the, for the sport, that is taking revenue from each individual who is paying to play at these locations, mm-hmm. I think it is incumbent upon... Curling Canada and the Provincial Associations to devote an equal amount of time to their high performance and to their grassroots efforts. And we're in a world right now, Scott, where a significant club in Saskatoon, Saskatchewan closed. And that is the heartland of curling. Mm -hmm. And the fact that they lost a club in Saskatoon is very concerning, right? We've seen closures. Curling Geek has profiled it, the the number of facilities that have closed, and we are contracting in this country. But when you see it in Saskatoon, that that hits a little differently than some rural communities where the community is contracting itself. Mm -hmm. Saskatoon as a city is doing fine. It's just that the club had to close. So that is where I think some of the concern is. I'm not saying don't look at the high performance program, don't reevaluate it. Absolutely. But can we please do it in conjunction with addressing some of these wider issues for the overall health of the sport?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well said, Sean, that's, that's the, the fear, right? Is that yeah. In, in 20 years, we not only will we not be winning medals, we also won't have enough curlers to fill out a field at, uh, at a bond spiel mm-hmm. like uh, we're playing this weekend. Yep. Uh, the field is 32 teams and it was a scramble to get uh, those teams. Yeah, In 20 years, is it going to be any easier if we don't bring new people into the sport? I-, I will say no.
0: Yeah. And certainly coming out of the pandemic, there are no public health restrictions, as far as I know, anywhere in the country right now that would prevent a curling facility from operating. Mm -hmm. So figuring out how to get people back into these facilities. I mean, Scott, where we play the Thursday night league in the three or four years I was in, no team ever changed individual guys here and there. It's league, So individual guys here and there would come in and out, but the teams were always the same. And this year there was a turnover of four or five teams. The Monday league that we play in, same thing. Very little turnover year to year, but we started to see some turnover. The cash league at the Ottawa Curling Club is not full for the first time since I've been a member there. Uh, The Rideau Curling Club, where I used to play, there are empty, what used to be full draws are now just empty, dead time at that facility. So these are concerning trends that certainly need to be addressed that Again, for the provincial associations that were the member associations and for currently Canada as a whole, I, I would like to see some sort of action on these things to address them. And, you know, the idea of if Canada goes in four years to Italy and wins three gold medals, that's great. Good for the players. I think it'll be a great story if the contraction at the grassroots level continues, you know, does it matter as much? Like yeah. I, I really, cause I really think this is a sport unless it fully changes. This is really a sport at the highest level that is dependent on participation at the lowest level, like the grassroots level and participation in that. I think to a certain extent, less than it used to certainly. Mm-hmm. And we're grateful to people who listen to us who have never stepped on the ice and have never played. But to a certain extent, I think if you go to a curling event and you survey the individuals who are there, you're looking at, I would say, 60 to 70 percent are people who play or did play regularly over the course of their life. And I would argue if you go to an NBA game, that's not the case. Like They're not dependent on you having played. But I think curling to a certain extent still is driven by participation at the grassroots level.
1: Yeah, yeah. And A lot of talk. There's always a lot of talk around the Olympics of, hey, this event is on TV a lot. It's getting a lot of exposure in Canada. We have a lot of exposure on TV year over year. Uh, It's on a lot. And I guess this will transition into what we're talking about next. But that's so like having it be widely available to people is always there in Canada. Yeah. And so the conversion rate is not going to go necessarily go up or down as much in an Olympic year as it will in other countries. Yeah. So if you're relying on that four-year cycle to help boost your enrollment, I I think that looking at other nations for that model is not the the wisest.
0: Yeah, I, I completely agree. So You mentioned exposure. Curling Canada, Scott, is getting into the streaming game. They looked at what the World Curling Federation was doing with Recast, saw the fan reaction and said, yeah, we want some of that. So (laughs) Curling Canada is involved with a company called Stream AMG. They have done some other Sporting streaming events, and they're going to be streaming all non season of champions events, which basically just means everything that TSN doesn't show. So, this includes the under 18s, which are coming up soon, the uh, college university one, which is slightly different from the U sport one, I think. Uh, the, the, The one that Curling Canada operates, the Canadian Wheelchair Championship will be part of that this year. Presumably next season, you'll have the club championship on there, the senior championship. So those are the events that are going to be on what is being called Curling Canada Plus. And okay, fine. I was reading this. I was like, all right, Curling Canada Plus, because I guess why not? Okay. I, I Yeah, I don't know what else you would call it. I really don't. So sure, everything else is a plus on it. Like, TSN just came out with TSN Plus. There's Paramount Plus. Like, there's a lot of pluses. So sure, Scott, yeah. you can buy a subscription to this on a per event basis for nine dollars and ninety nine cents. That is Canadian currency, or you can wait until the event is over and watch it in its entirety for free. So what used to be streamed through the Curling Canada YouTube channel is now going to be on Curling Canada Plus, both during and post-event. And if you want to watch live, it is going to cost you money. And the revenue, as Curling Canada states in its release, is going to be used to help fund these endeavors. I have thoughts on this Scott, but uh, let's start with yours.
1: Who's paying? Who's paying 10 bucks to watch an event they don't care that much about? These these events need to be broadcast for free. Listen, I'm going to pay for it cuz <laughs> I cuz I'm a crazy person, I guess, but uh, Yeah, this like I understand, hey, let's get some funding for these events that we're paying money to put on, right? Like let's help offset some of the cost. Sure. <clears throat> I guess the players' families might be wanting to pay for it. Yeah. But it, Sean, this stands totally in opposition to the mission of stadium curling, which is sort of the the streaming. I, I won't, pl- platform's not the right word, but uh, sort of streaming company that's an offshoot of Curling Zone that are dedicated to giving clubs access to high definition cameras and live streaming ability on YouTube. So this can be done for any club uh, across the country. They'll come and outfit your club with HD cameras and you can have a certain level if you want uh, live production or some static production, uh, this, and it's all being done for free with the anticipation that the revenues that will come in are from advertising on the ice and advertising, uh, on the stream itself. So, so this is something that I question is that are, am I going to pay 10 bucks to watch this event? And, be watching ads for grain silos
0: between <laughs> ends. Are you like you said you were, or you will, Well,
1: but, but am, but am I going to have to watch ads as well as paying? Right. Right. I, I always, I, I have to zone for football
0: Yeah,
1: and I watch the red zone channel because I don't have to watch ads. Sure. Um, <clears throat> but <sighs> lately, I think since I switched internet providers, uh, when I start a stream, I get a thirty-second ad for some gambling. Right, and I always question why am I paying twenty dollars a month for this when and getting served ads at the same time? Like, right. uh, it's either pay to watch or y- you have ads to cover the costs of the production. That's my opinion. What do you? Yeah. What do you think?
0: Yeah, I. I don't like this as a principle. I, I kind of just feel like you're saying to family members of people who are in these events, give us $10, please, where in mm-hmm. the past you weren't doing that. If they're going to do this, I really feel like they, and they say in the, in the release that they're going to reinvest any money into enhancing the broadcast that they're going to put together. But I really feel like if say if we had a family member who was playing in the under 18s right say it's 10 years from now uh, our little cousin ellie gets into curling uh i don't know what has gone wrong uh and <laughs> to, to to have that be the case but let's say that happens and she's in the under 18s if i'm paying for the events i want to be able to watch all the games when it's a free stream Like, oh, like, okay, maybe she'll get on this, or like, you know, which sheet is Mm -hmm. going to be the TV sheet. And you're like, okay, this could be your TV game. But if you're paying for the event, you kind of want all the games to be available to you. So that I think is going to be an important part of this. They don't all have to have commentary, they don't even all have to have moving cameras. You can have static cameras. And I think that's okay if you're offering every sheet available on the stream. And if you want to have one broadcast, which essentially, what they've done in the past, I think is two cameras and that's, and that's plenty good. And it's certainly not TSN quality, but it's good, right? It's good enough yeah. that you can watch yeah. and you can understand what's going on. If that's what they're going to do. Okay. But if they're going to do what they have done on YouTube with the one sheet, periodic verbal updates of scores with no video, uh, that, that I, I struggle with, particularly when you look at the numbers, like, the Alberta Provincials were on last week and someone at the curling club said to me, hey, wasn't that cool that Wednesday morning game uh, in Alberta, so just early afternoon here, it got, there was 300 people watching the stream. And I'm thinking, yeah, I guess that that is cool. But are 300 people going to pay to watch like a morning draw? Like, I, I just don't know how much money this is going to generate, and certainly the YouTube channel obviously wasn't generating enough revenue from ads to offset the cost of it. Mm -hmm. But at some point, do the non-revenue events, given the mandate of the organization, is it worth it to take money away from high performance or take money that's generated through high performance events like the Scotties and the Briar and reallocate that to create these accessible free broadcasts for the non-revenue generating events. And that is a a question that is certainly above our pay grade and it's really, that's gonna be a Catherine Henderson ultimately is making that decision. And this is what the the decision they've made on first blush. I don't particularly care for it. And I feel kind of bad for the people in the U18, the people in the wheelchair championship, the people in the seniors who used to get this exposure that you could say to your friends, Hey, just like Mm -hmm. go on YouTube and stream it. And now they can't. But again, is that necessarily something that we should never have expected to be a permanent solution that these things can be broadcast or or streamed for free given the relatively low numbers and let's be honest there is a cost associated with it that wasn't being recouped like i don't Mm -hmm. i don't know i want it to be free (laughs) because i like watching it i like it when it's on do i like it enough that I'm going to pay for it maybe for certain events, but I, I, think it I also feel like we're in the minority, you know. It, it, it also
1: matters to have a way to watch it on a TV, it, which sounds really dumb and simple, right? Like, yeah, I can stream it on my laptop anywhere, but this is something that if curling clubs are smart, they will. Find a way to stream it on yeah. the TVs at the clubs, and if there's no way to do that, if there's no app, a uh, smart uh, smart TV app, uh, a Roku, uh, Apple TV, Fire TV, something, then it's not going to get on the big screen at the club where the curlers will say, "Hey, how are you able to watch that? Maybe I'll go home and and check it out too." For me, it's the same thing. I'm here in my office. I'm watching the Ontario curling right now on my TV through the YouTube app. So if if this was something that I had to do through a browser, I probably wouldn't do it. And, and that's something that has to be taken into consideration. That's what happens when I'm trying to watch a recast from the, the World Curling Federation. And I think, Oh, there's no way to do it unless it's on a, a browser on my computer. Well, it's not worth watching. So uh, that's just me. I, I do think that having it there for clubs to take advantage of is going to be important.
0: So yeah, I, yeah, I agree with you, Scott. That that that's really what the the co- some of the core issues. So again, let's give a bit of a benefit of a doubt here. See how it actually operates in the course of the spring, and if it does help improve the quality and quantity of the games that are available to people who want to see them. But as we've seen with Recast and the WCF, the response has not been positive from the fan base, even if we are assuming that financially it has worked the way the WCF has wanted. Finally this week... Uh, there was a bit of news out of the Curling Players Association. There was another meeting for a curlers playing, Curling Players Association. This is an endeavor that has been tried many times before, but as it currently stands... We have Nicholas Adeen as the interim president of this group. Tyler Tardy, Emma Miskew are amongst the leadership. It's broken into regions. There are four regions. You have Canada with Tardy and Miskew, Europe with Nick Aden, Sylvana Taranzoni, the USA, Corey Dropkin, Tabitha Peterson, and Pacific Asia with JD, Lind and Anna Omiya. There's also a next-gen category that has Tanner Horgan and Mackenzie Zacharias And the thing with the Players Association, I think this kind of ties in a little bit with the streaming and the relationship with, say, Curling Canada of exposure of things like sponsors. Can you put the sponsors, your personal sponsors' names on your gear when you go to a Curling Canada event? There's been progress on that, certainly with the points bet, and we've seen it at Canada Cups in the past. Some leeway that Curling Canada has given But one of the issues that, or some of the issues that this Players Association wants to address are scheduling conflicts, giving players a greater say in rules. Uh, Certainly, there's been a lot of of discussion around new rules and and what voice the player has in that process. I think one of the biggest challenges for a Players Association, though, is the fact that there is not a central organization that they're talking to, that Mm -hmm. The WCF has control over rules that certainly the member associations around the country, around the world, tend to just pick up the rules that the WCF lays down. They don't have to for national championships, but they tend to. So you talk to the WCF about rules. If you're talking about scheduling, each national organization decides when it has its national championship. That's independent. The Grand Slams, try to slot in where they can, but that's owned by its own entity. And then for as much as the tour exists, it's really independent spiels that run. So it's, there's so many different moving parts and people who control things like scheduling that I'll be honest, Scott, I don't want the sport to go down the path where there's this singular entity of this is the curling authority. Like, I kind of like this idea that each country does it its own way, that you can play in these spiels here and there where you want to. And this is actually similar to what happened with college football in the 20s and 30s, where people were upset about what they deemed the professionalization of college football, where it was really kids from the area. They would come play. They'd play regionally. Once a year, you get together and play one of these bowl games, and that was it. And then over time, it became more professionalized to the point where now it really is just a professional sport. I don't know if ultimately that is the path that we go along, but the piecemeal side of it where, all right, this weekend, all right, Homan's playing here, Anderson's playing here, Hasselberg is going to play in this one. like, And then they come together for the big ones. I don't necessarily mind it, but I understand why the players don't. So again, this is an endeavor, uh, the idea of a players association that has been tried before. We'll see how far along they get this. But for me, it's always just this question of who exactly are they negotiating with and who are they talking with? Because there's just so many stakeholders from the organization point of view in terms of trying to figure out where everyone slots in.
1: Yeah, Sean, that's the big question, right? Is is how is this going to be helpful for everyone? Uh, and do do smaller events, smaller teams get left behind? And maybe an event could get one or two big names, like you said, to come, <clears throat> but now they can't because the 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 teams that are represented. The players that are represented under this players association have decided they don't, they're only going to play at certain tier events or, or whatever. Right. So obviously that's far down the road, but the, one of the first questions is the one you ask who are, who, who is this for and who are they bargaining with for lack of a better word? Um, yeah, I think the idea has merit, right? I think the players should have a bit more of a say in maybe where events are held, uh, what time of the year, for sure. Uh, you know, I, I don't know if everybody's like itching to go back to Grand Prairie or Moose Jaw, <laughs> but maybe they'd prefer, and maybe like the athletes like Brad Gushu might prefer more events closer to home. Who knows? But uh, there's lots of questions to be answered before this uh, this thing is Fully viable. Yeah. So
0: we will monitor that as it uh, moves ahead and see what kind of progress they can make. Certainly more off-season discussions to be coming, particularly this off-season, as it's really the one that is going to set the table for the next Olympics in 2026. Things are going to be kind of set in stone in terms of full-on qualifying schedules, when things are going to be like, it's really this, this spring and summer where we're going to be fully set on that. And in relation to that, in terms of scheduling in different countries, doing different things, we have a correction to make from last week. I blew it. You blew the, it, John. The uh, Japanese championship is next month. It's uh, just the Korean championship that's in the summer. So Team Fujisawa does have somewhere to go play really good games <laughs> before the world championship. So blew it. Chalk that Come one on. up to a uh, bad job by me. Come on, man. We should put uh we should put those things right at the top of the podcast, Sean. Yeah, I thought about doing that. But no, I want okay. I want to get a sound effect. Let's get a sound effect for it. All right. Yeah.
1: Hey, if if you're hearing this conversation and you didn't hear the sound effect at the beginning of the show, that means Sean hasn't found
0: it yet. Yeah. But we'll get one. Tweet something at us. A good sound effect. My my initial thought was the losing horns from the price is right. Oh, bump, bump, bum, bum ba, dum, yeah, and mm-hmm. uh, do that uh, whenever we uh, have to correct ourselves. So beautiful. <laughs> if you have a better idea, uh, certainly let me know. So, my apologies for that mistake. I will try to do better in the future. <laughs> <laughs> good, good apology, Sean. Good apology. Thank you. Uh, all right, one more thing. We we've talked about some things that we're not necessarily thrilled about, but Scott. You're very excited about this Chat GPT. What is it called? Chat
1: GPT. Sean, have, yeah. have you not been paying attention to the AI uh, overlords?
0: No, I, I did. I did hear Christian Hubicki talk about this uh, with Rob Sesternino, mm. and I've I've heard other people talk about it vaguely. As someone who has to assess student writing from time to time it is mildly concerning to me as to how I can do that uh, if this thing is really good, but whatever, that's a future Sean problem. So you're really into, you are, you're having fun with it.
1: I'm having fun with it, Sean. I've asked it to write me code to like schedule our curling league, uh, which is good. I asked it to write code for me today to go through and sort all of my music files. uh, Okay. It hasn't worked yet because, uh, anyway, for reasons. But one thing I asked it to do, Sean, was to tell me a story about Brad Gushu. All right. And I want to read for you here the story that ChatGPT generated for me about Brad Gushu.
0: All right. So welcome everybody to the first ever edition of Storytime with Scott.
1: Insert music cue here. Okay. Uh, Once upon a time, there was a talented curler named Brad Gushu. He grew up in Newfoundland, Canada, and began curling at a young age. He quickly made a name for himself in the curling world and was chosen to represent Canada in the 2006 Winter Olympics, where he and his team brought home a gold medal. From there, Gushu went on to win numerous national and international championships, including the Briar, the World Curling Championship, and the Grand Slam of Curling. He also became known for his sportsmanship and his friendly, easygoing personality. Despite his many successes, Gushu never lost his love for the game and his humble attitude. He continued to work hard and improve his skills, always striving to be the best curler he could be and his hard work paid off as he led Team Canada to victory at the 2017 Tim Hortons Briar, becoming the first team from, <laughs> from Newfoundland and Labrador to win the Canadian Men's Curling Championship. Gushu's achievements on the ice and his dedication to his sport have made him an inspiration to many young curlers, and his name will always be remembered in the annals of curling history. Wow. The end
0: what uh what a tale there sean
1: i don't I don't think you have to be worried about <laughs> about this <thing>. <laughs> <laughs> right uh, yeah yeah so uh, uh the first thing uh chosen to represent Canada sure uh, I b- believe he won it uh, also numerous national and international championships, including the Briar, the world curling championships uh I, I would say that are the, that is the national and international championships <laughs> yeah. Uh, and the Grand Slam of Curling. I uh, Does anyone win the Grand Slam of Curling? I guess the Pinty's Cup could count. Could count. Yeah. And then uh, I started laughing here, but uh, he led Team Canada to victory, becoming the first team from Newfoundland and Labrador. I think he had to win from Newfoundland and Labrador first before he became Team Canada.
0: Right. So a
1: a few nits to pick with uh, chat GPT here, but uh, overall, fun story.
0: Also Jack McDuff would like a word on that. Oh, that's right. You know, uh, let's, uh, you know, come on, put some respect on his name, chat GPT. (laughs) That's right. That's right. So anyway,
1: Sean, I I was having fun with that. Maybe we'll, uh, you know, ask for suggestions of what we can feed into chat GPT to, to come up with cool stories Maybe we'll just do a whole podcast on chat, a, and have GPT. Chat GPT write the whole thing for us and see if anyone can notice. Okay, uh, Sean. Another thing, I I don't know if you've heard of Dali
0: Dali, the uh, the AI art creator. Oh yeah, where you just put stuff in, you say this is what I want, and it it spits out images at you.
1: Yeah, so I I asked it to give me an impressionist rendering of a curling bonspiel uh and i downloaded that and i'll tweet or i'll send it out on instagram
0: okay yeah and uh yeah send it on instagram and then in the show notes i'll put a link to it uh for for anyone who wants to go see uh see that uh, i'm curious i haven't i've not seen it how would you describe it scott
1: uh i think it's beautiful uh except everybody's sweeping too many rocks
0: oh what? well it's impressionist
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, one of this, I think, is a hockey player out there. So I'll, I'll take, it gave me four four images. I'll take the one I think is the best.
0: All right, good, st- good stuff there. So yeah, having some fun with some AI here uh, after talking about things that we, I mean, again, we talk about these things because I think they're important for the sport, but our preference would be to talk about what's going on on the ice. But this is important, so here you go. Uh, and here we go. But I promise you, Everybody, this is my solemn vow. Next week's all about the stuff on the ice, Scott. Yes. Yes, it is. And Well, we... maybe. I also have an idea for a potential interview, but we'll see. <laughs> we'll oh, see. well,
1: uh, <laughs> we'll also come back with our uh, report from the Rideau men's bond spiel.
0: That's right. We have a, a big event coming up this weekend. Team Moser, gutless, ducked us yet again in the draw when you can pick your preferred opening draw. They ducked us. They have absolutely no guts. Uh, they are completely spineless. I yep. have no respect for them as a team and they deserve to have to play the eight o'clock game on Saturday morning for yeah. their poor decisions.
1: Yeah. Uh, so there you go. The, as Taylor Swift would say, karma is a cat <laughs> purring in its lap, my lap. Cause it loves me. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. So yeah. Sucks to be them.
0: Yeah, We'll be sleeping in. Yeah. So we will have a full report from our events. We will also talk about all of the provincial finals going on across the country this weekend. So if you want to hear all that and you have not subscribed, please do. Wherever you get your podcast likes, rates, comments, all that stuff helps other people find the show to keep us growing. Of course, always head on over to gamestonespod.com. All of our past episodes are there. If you hit the blog tab, the first thing that'll come up is the 20 years of the world is caught up to Canada that Scott referenced. Links to all of the articles that we talk about in that episode. So if you want to go back and read stories about the world catching up to Canada over the past 20 years, you can do that under the blog tab over there. You can also follow along with everything we got going on social media at Game of Stones Pod on Twitter and Instagram. You certainly want that Instagram to see this impressionist painting thing that Scott has come up with. It's Game of Stones Podcast on Facebook, and you can always reach out. Let us know what you want to hear. Game of Stones Podcast at gmail.com. So thank you so much, everybody, for listening. Scott, I have been getting up at 5 a.m. Eastern time every day this week. I have one more day left of it, and the thing that I have learned about mm-hmm. myself is that when I need to, I am capable of doing this and I feel like I've been relatively pleasant for most of the week, but waking up and being somewhere before it's light out, I'm going to say is worse than leaving somewhere when it has become dark and going home. Like I'd rather show up in the light, leave in the dark, than show up in the dark and leave in the light.
1: Yeah, yeah, I tend to agree with you. I think uh, my experience with that would be, uh, well, I used to work 12-hour shifts, but before (laughs) that doing doing the ice at the curling club, I would get in about 6 a.m., you know, and uh, get ready to do everything, uh, do the scrape, the pebble, base pebble, top level pebble, all that. And then, yeah, I'd be like, what time is it? It's eight. (laughs) What? Uh, On the plus, you do feel like you've accomplished a lot during your day. Yeah. But you're probably ready to fall asleep right now.
0: Yeah. My goal was to fall asleep by 9 p.m. It is currently 8.50 p.m. And I will not meet my goal. Well, we'll, okay. have
1: to, we'll have to sign off, Sean. Let you get some good sack time. And
0: uh, we'll see you tomorrow. Yeah, I got to be at the top of my game for tomorrow night at the Rito Bond Spiel. For all of you who are spieling this time of year, it is a popular spiel time of season. Good luck out there. Anyone who's playing, have a good time. And if you're not, just have a wonderful, wonderful weekend and a wonderful week. We will talk with you next week. But until then... Keep those brooms on the ice and don't dump that insert.
1: Make the final...